So, if you didn't listen to my last episode, which most of you probably didn't, because it started off with me talking about diarrhea and poo and stuff. Um, excuse me, I'll go to bed in a minute. Um, I'll better get ready for bed. Um, I want to talk about copper violations again. But I want to talk or touch on YouTube as the new the new schoolers need to be old schoolers. I think that's kind of the advice I want to give. Now, when I say the new schoolers need to be old schoolers, I mean you need to use YouTube as it was intended. You know, if you think a good few years back, people used YouTube, you know, a bit like TV, really, or a big pile of VHS tapes. They would go on YouTube and type stuff in. They would be whatever videos people wanted to watch. Um, I remember back in that day, a lot of... um, A lot of people didn't have YouTube accounts, so they just used, you know, they just used YouTubers. Oh, oh dear. One big a place where they could go and watch videos. Now, YouTube allows you to upload whatever you wish regarding that it doesn't violate any copyright or um, it doesn't infringe any copyright or doesn't hurt anybody doesn't you know um, I suggest looking at the for those people who are living in the UK I suggest you look at Ofcom's rules because there is a rule that's very like the one that Copper put out um there's an Ofcom rule it says that um you must not um broadcast harmful material and it goes on about harmful material but there's a bit about the children there and I can't know which rule it is but it discusses about a lot of the stuff you know um and also Think about what, you know, think about what your video's about. Yeah, I know the FTPC hasn't, you know, I'm still going to jump on as a broadcaster and talk with them. Um, The FTPC, it would be good for me to give them my views. Personally... What do I think, though? What's my thoughts? That's what everyone's going to ask. My thoughts are this. 
YouTube's getting very political, and it has done. I've seen a few years ago. I saw um, the whole demonetization thing, and. There was a lot of YouTubers discussing about that. Um, but this has... Basically, this whole copper thing has shut the big YouTubers up. You know, maybe they're hiding something. Well, they're not hiding something, but maybe they're the ones that are the most worried out of all YouTubers. You know, what are they what are they putting out there? What's you know now again YouTube is updating their terms of service. I know a couple of people who've already deleted their channels or they're deleting their channels. They're leaving YouTube um, because of this whole copper violation. But what you've got to understand is um, the best things to do is to go to the FTPC. They they don't understand about YouTube, you know, and the FTPC for a lot of people thinking. They're more like grandparents than parents. They don't understand. In 1998, things were very simple. Um, What people searched for on the internet. And there wasn't very many videos on the internet. Or if they were, they were more or less educational. Or, you know... um, YouTube wasn't much of a thing back in 98. Um, So, and you've got to remember, um, you know, the internet was, only the very few had it. I remember my real dad had the internet back in 98. Um... And my school definitely had it then. Um, But very few people had the internet. You know, it was... If you knew somebody who had it, they must have been rich. Because you had to pay phone bills and such of a like. So the FTPC were basically targeting schools. They've got it right in the sense that... Yeah, cartoons, toys, um, all that sort of stuff. That's the basic stuff when you talk of what is deemed children's um, kids' content. Yes, that's the easy part. The not-so-easy part is there are cartoons out there that are deemed for adults, you know, adult cartoons, there are animators out there, there are arts and crafts communities um, that do stuff for adult 
you know, um, there is uh, all kinds of things. And at the end of the day, um, you get these hardcore collectors. Um, they'll tell you what, you know, what's for kids and not. Um, and YouTube has their hands tied. Now, it affects all creators, just before I carry on. So... If you're monetized or demonetized, whatever video you put out, YouTube still looks at it. Now, YouTube is a free platform. You don't have to pay to use YouTube. You don't have to pay to upload to YouTube. So you don't have to necessarily pay to build a community. And it's a bit like this platform I'm using now. Anchor It's just audio form now the FTPC they're just looking out after the children at the end of the day but they're taking your blank tape tax as a quote for Frank Zappa, um, there was an amazing story. He put out a song called G-Spot Tornado. Um, <laughs> and it's one of the most laughable things of all time. But I think things have come full circle. And... If Frank Zappa was alive today, I think he would speak for all of the pop culture, you know. Um, and Frank Zappa gave his testimony in court. It's it's That is on YouTube, actually. Um, Frank Zappa's thing. Um, he's telling people... The song had no lyrics in it. Um... And that's more laughable, really. And I think this, this it's kind of happening today. Um, you've got YouTubers who put out content which um, you know but it's gone very conservative. It's like the benefit system. There's... This is for kids. This is not for kids. It's not a... Hmm. Well. This is for teens or adults or... You know. Um, whatever. Um, you've got that middle ground. And again, not all educational content can be deemed kids' content. 
there is some educational content that you would have to watch with adult. <laughs> you know? Um, and we're not talking... We're not just talking sex ed here. We're talking... Um, you know, stuff that might you might not understand. Uh, it might go over your head. And a lot of educational content you would probably watch with an adult anyways. Or... If you can understand it, then hey-ho. Um, you know, science videos... Music videos. Um, I'm very interested in Delia Derbyshire. Um, And those videos could be deemed as for kids because uh, the Doctor Who theme is in those documentaries. Um, sculptures of sound which I suggest you go and watch it because it's brilliant and for those who are into uh, electronic music dance music especially um, Delia Derbyshire made the first techno um, track um there's even a video of just that track in full. Um, and it's not very long. Um, but it's it's um, it never got anywhere. Um, and that was in the 70s. The 60s or the 70s. Um, and you could probably argue that without a lot of the avant-garde music that you heard back in the... 50s and the 60s found sounds and all that people were doing with tapes before synths came in and drum machines what people were doing with tape recorders people are now doing with computers um but yeah just it just goes to show um You know how an early track would have sound, and to be frankly honest, it doesn't sound. It's like I, I always, I seem to think that Delia Derbyshire, um, David Vorhouse, um, they all went into the future to get the sounds they wanted for the time. You know, like the Wobblator and. Um, the Wobbulator and all that kind of things. But even though Delia Derbyshire, even though a lot of her sounds weren't you know they weren't musically what you could musically play as a musician Delia Derbyshire was a musician. She was a serious avant-garde composer because she designed sound um and she didn't like anybody tampering with her pieces you know once she'd done a piece that were it you know 
She didn't want it to be tampered with. And the amounts of tape that were cut and stuff like that. Anyway, um, that's educational. But I'm going to go to bed now and I'll see you some other point in this episode where I'll discuss something a little bit more amazing. So, um, welcome back to the podcast, um, part two um, of it, and um, we're now going to discuss a little bit more about copper violation, that's what this episode's all about. Um, But I've also added a bit more to this episode about other stuff, you know, a bit more sort of bloggy type of content. So it's not going to be a long podcast, this, Um, but I really wanted to discuss about YouTube. YouTube is just a product which Google makes, and they haven't been... um, They haven't been singing to the same hymn sheet as a lot of, you know, other people. Now, YouTube Kids, even though it's just a walled garden, there's some things that like to creep through the gate um, because there's a few robots that say, hey, that's all right, that's an okay video. That's a Peppa Pig video, it's all right. But um, there was a disturbing Peppa Pig video which got through to YouTube Kids and as an adult, I have seen one guy who just talks about it and describes it. And it is the most horrifying thing. Um, you know, but the thing is, as a kid, right, as a parent... No matter what app your kids are using, you should always watch your kids using that app. That's, you know, what you should do as a good parent. Now, watch your kids at all times. You know, you've got to have eyes in the back and the side of your head when you're with kids. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, and teach your kids about things. Um, I mean, in my day... It would be if there was a cassette tape lying around. We were told not to listen to it. I did listen to that cassette tape. Um, there was a drugs cassette, and my mother did not want me listening to it. And um, this one day, I happened to put it on because <laughs> it was lying around. Um, you know, I just happened to put it on. And it was Mark Goodyear gives you the facts. And from that day on, I learned about drugs. Um, I mean, obviously, if your parents want you to learn about something, you know, the best way to do is to leave it lying around. I think if your parents want you to learn about something, then to at least show them a video that you want them to learn about. That's... 
how it is. Um, this day and age. Um, ah, I mean, YouTube seems to be a big thing. You know, we all watch YouTube, listen to stuff on YouTube. I listen to a lot of audio books on there. Tutorials. So, yeah, YouTube gets used a lot. Um, more than Facebook. More than Anchor. More than Spotify. More than any other app that I use. Um, I'd say YouTube is number one. You know, because you can choose what to watch. Now, I understand there's been a few obviously some kids have probably been on their mum's and dad's account they've either searched or seen a video thought it was for them and probably clicked on it you know, we've all been there, you know. Um, so, if obviously you want to be on, you know, you want to do YouTube videos, but you don't want to aim them at kids, you want to aim them at adults, but they've got sort of kiddified content in, What's seen as the FTC, the FTC, um, as violation or copper violation. Now, I must say that I was talking to my friend about the internet and stuff like that, and a good portion of the internet, you know, cookies and all that business advertising unfortunately um a good portion of the internet is doing that it's just that youtube seems to be the place where everybody goes um and i understand you know kids like to use mum and dad's account and I see that's fine. But if you are wanting to be, if you're an animator or maybe you are a arts and crafts person, I think the best way to go is to upload on a different platform. Um, a friend of mine is using um, oh, what's he using? He is using um, Wix.com and he's still getting paid for his content and go support him. Um, but this is not just hitting like the big YouTube creators. This is hitting small YouTube creators as well. And 
But if you want to sort of stay on YouTube, whatever, you're a gamer, whatever, make content that is, if it's not going to be for kids, it still has to be family friendly. Um, you know, think about the radio when you listen to the radio. And I'm not talking about demographics or anything like that here. I'm talking about the violation of copper. Well, folks, we've had enough about talking about the FTC and... Um, I'm sure if you want to know more about what the FTC is about, you can read the YouTube stuff. Now, before I carry on with this podcast, uh, there's just one more thing about the FTC I want to say. And that is, if you are a content creator and you're not making monetized content, um, it will be flagged. Um just in case someone stumbles across your work and goes, oh, you know, this is made for kids or not made for kids. Um, you know, it's... it's. I mean, m people that are advertising, they're the ones that are going to be hit the most, I think, um, with this whole 40K thing. Um, and I haven't been on the FTC's website, but I am going to this week and leave them comments and stuff. And sign all the petitions. I don't think signing a petition is much. I think people need to carry on talking and putting their stuff out. Um, as you've noticed, I've actually done a video on my own channel. Um, talking about the FTC. Um, but anyways, as I said, we've had enough talking about that now. Um... Now we're going to discuss a project which we're working on for some time, or we've start we haven't even started working on it yet, um, and that's the imaginary friends project. As you fully well probably don't know, or not fully aware, I have an imaginary friends page. Now, it has alerted some people, and this is something else, right? Um, I did a Facebook page as sort of a work of art, really. There's also a WordPress blog if you're interested. The WordPress blog's going to be updated a bit more. Um, and it's more or less a work of art. It's me sharing my feelings with the world, imaginary friend, my creativity. Not my feelings, my creativity with the world. And uh, hopefully next year we're going to do a charitable event. Um, a strange charitable event. Because a lot of charitable events are usually done... With multiple people. It will have real sponsors on it and stuff. Um, and we're going to sponsor it for the autism um, autism charities. Um, I'm going to go for Autism Speaks because they're a good charity. Um, and yeah. Uh, there are a few autistic charities... Um, autism initiatives I've done some work with them and probably might do some more work with them so this might be some more work that I do with them um, but 
anyway, that's what we're raising for next year. Um, and basically, our idea is to show off our creativity. Um, I've been wanting to do this for some time, and um, if you guys follow the podcast, you'll know exactly what we're discussing. And it's a show and tell of all the imaginary things. I was talking to Imaginary Andy this morning, who's he's coming to buy. He stays over every weekend, but um, we were discussing this morning about. I was discussing, he was, you know, discussing about what he did and how he lived, and he was discussing his brother this morning, and um, it's weird because he doesn't normally discuss him, and he said, "Well, you know, he's kind of friends with his brother because his brother helped him move out and stuff," but. Um, there is people round the corner at the Imagination Station. We shared one of their posts, actually. That's how it got. Um, where, well, in fact, it didn't start with that. It started uh, when we were doing... Um, they had a toy till. I shouldn't really tell this story, but they had a toy till there. We went and we played with that toy till and we had a coffee there and stuff. And we thought, well, to help them out, we'll buy a Pepsi every... Monday, um, so, you know, I can have that drink with my pat lunch and sometimes, so obviously, you know, we give them that money, um, and it goes in their till, so we've known of them for a while, because we play pranks on them and stuff, and they've got some really great community there, um, they're coming to our, the group's Christmas fair on the 1st of December, so we've invited them to it. Um, but, you know, they've helped us out and it's real great community. And it's amazing to know that it's on our doorstep. So, anyways, um, I found their Facebook page, which they had. Um, one of our other friends who's real, a radio presenter friend that we've got, she likes their page and she's following them. And um, so we decided that we would share one of their posts on the Imaginary Friends page. Because we didn't know that they were going to follow it. Um, we actually messaged them as well to remind them of the... Um, remind them of the, summer fair, uh, the Christmas fair that's happening on the 1st of December. Now... This is where it's going to get better, right? Uh, yesterday, I went, dropped by to see if they got my message, um, which they did. Um, and I just said, it's just it's a reminder. You don't have to PM me back, but just a reminder. And they went and checked my Facebook page where I'd shared, because I'd shared one of their links. So I'd shared one of their links, which was the pay your own age or something. Because we'd, we'd checked in there like last year or year before. Um, and they were really amazed that we had the Imaginary Friends blog, and we described to them, I didn't describe about the WordPress site, but I did describe about the Facebook one, and I described everything, and they were kind of amazed, and now they're following it. So, <laughs> so we've got a little bit of an audience through it, which is what we wanted um, in the main, 
But the project is to uh, do something from it and hopefully, um, you know, kind of do something. Because in my mind, um, imagination can, you know, you can create, you can learn through creation, you know. Um, And that's where, you know, podcasting comes in. I've actually just sent an email to Spreaker because I use their, it's strange, I use this this app for just podcasting alone and I use their app for broadcasting. So it's strange how I use each of their apps. And I sent an email because I wanted to get my, my shows on their stuff. I wanted to get recognised. So I've sent them an email and I've told them that it's great because you can share it's great that people can share their shows and listen. Um, it's like back in the days we'd have cassette tapes. Um, and because cassette tapes are quite pricey, uh, we couldn't really share a lot of cassette tapes with our friends unless, you know, you'd take a cassette tape and you'd say, here, here's a cassette tape, put it on. People wouldn't even stumble across it. They'd have to be into what you're doing for them to give it a try um so it didn't get anywhere and a lot of things stayed pretend now you probably still could do a dummy radio show with Spreaker if you really wanted but if you want it to go somewhere you know you want to share your what you're about then I think that's where you should be heading um it goes out on all the platforms that you want and need. But I'm going to stick this to the Imaginary Friends Project because I haven't discussed much about the Imaginary Friends Project, which is, you know, Imagineering, which, you know, we're doing it as a piece of art, um, showing that we do, you know, do take this, my imagination... I've taken pretty seriously um, because people have not been interested in... I've found it hard for making friends um, and stuff throughout the years. There's two friends that I've made that stick stick to my side like glue. Um, uh, one of my friends, he's like he's like family to me really. Um, and it's great because we understand each other. Um, nobody understands us, but we understand each other. Um, and that kind of goes with friendship. But let let me take you back back in time. Let me take you to when I was a kid. Let me. Let me just take you to when I was about 15. I'll say about when I was 15. Now, I've always had imaginary friends, but I really... I want to cut to the chase. When I was 15, and I was just about before I had the... um, Asperger's diagnosis, because I was... I was 14 
when life was, I don't know, my imagination was just, I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to learn anything, I wasn't interested, you know, um, I wasn't interested in maths, um, and I didn't want to learn it because it just didn't interest me in the slightest, you know, sitting with books and brailers and having to write notes in class. But, um, I remember, I mean, I do know some technical stuff. I'm not a complete der brain. <laughs> Sorry, I've said a child's word there. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, complete der brain. Um, to the point where, you know, I do know quite a lot of technical things. Um, I helped my sister with her, um, sound wave. She was getting really, it was one of my frustrating assignments. And I, I went into the room one day and I was really kind and I went, do you want my college notes? For my that I did for my sound waves assignment, and she's like, no, she's like, no, Stephen, get out the room. I was like, hang on, I've been kind to you, <laughs> and I was serious as well because I would have dug out the whole assignment. I said, listen, I said, if you ever need me for the sound waves, and I had to, I said, listen, and then she came to me. That was right. Then she went to mum and dad. It was tea time. Oh, I don't. It was another day. I still don't understand sound waves. Well, sound is basically air. I came out with it. <laughs> sound is basically air molecules that retract and refract within the air. Uh, everything you hear that's sound, it's basically, uh, you know, the air molecules that crash into each other. You know, molecules are very small things. We don't even see them. Now, this was something that I remembered because not only had I read it, but it was something that our tutor went over and he broke it down. Um, and then I said, the biggest, um, I said, the, I said that base, what is it now? I said that base is very energetic. Um, I said, if you imagine putting somebody in a small, if you put a big, I said, if you put a very big energetic lion in this small room, they'll want to move around a hell of a lot. And I tried breaking it down and they still don't understand it. But then, was it Rachel or Anne? One of them said, Stephen, can you describe that to me again and I'll take some notes. So I was just saying, I explained it all over again and they went into class the next day. And when she'd done all the work, um, apparently I did say, do not say that I've helped you with this. But um, apparently I was quoted and everyone went, <gasps> but I was like, you know, um, you know, I'd only known it. And to frankly honest, I didn't really like doing that assignment. I still to this day, 
didn't like sound waves. It was it was a horrible assignment. Uh, I didn't have much support at the time. And anyway, um, but back to school. Let's go back to school because we've we've skipped a lot. Um, I want to talk about the friends that I had, and I didn't have. This is going to sound really sad, but I didn't have any friends in the in the playground. Um, there was people that engaged with me, but they didn't really, because I wasn't into the things that they were into. Um, I wasn't into. I was still watching cartoons. And the music I was into, everybody in my school, except for about three or four people, five people, were into the music that I was into. There were very few people that was into Metallica and Sabbath and, um, you know. And I basically was a bit of an alienate at school, you know, I was into my heavy metal and um, I'd make up these imaginary bands, and I was also into some strange things, you know, computers, music, that's all I talk about and think about, you know, music, cartoons, wrestling, there's a few friends that were into that, but it wasn't what they wanted to talk about all the time, and, uh, it was strange, because, you know, um so I kind of went into a shell. I didn't really I wanted to socialize, but it was the battle with you know, oh well, people don't want to talk about that. That's fine, you know, move away. And of course times have changed because, you know, I know people are into Rock music, I talk about rock music with them. I've got friends who are into dance music. I talk about dance music with them. And it's strange, the um, the friends who are into the dance music, I won't talk about like the rock bands with them. And the people who are into the rock bands, I won't talk about the DJs and uh, all the DJs that I know, like Calvin Harris and Fatboy Slim. It'll be more of like Led Zeppelin and Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones and uh, Robert Plant, but sometimes, like now, there is other things that I'm into, you know, there's other music that I'm into, which I probably wouldn't talk about with anybody, because not as I'm ashamed to tell them, but I just don't know anybody that'd be into uh, bands like Throbbing Gristle and Cabaret Voltaire and Delia Derbyshire, and so <laughs> they're just a few, um, uh, Peter Vorhouse, Devo, um, Sorry, David Vorhouse. Um, and. Uh, was it Randall Scott? And. Who's the other person? That I just mentioned. Yeah, Devo. And. As other really weird artists. That people probably wouldn't know or be into because they would find that music very unlistenable. Um, 
And to be frankly honest, um, it's funny because there's a lot of people who are into dance music and I'll say, do you know where it comes from? And people are like, no. I was like, well, that dance music you enjoy actually comes from, you know, sort of the, everybody sort of gets lost when I say that you, you know, like, um, all the, all the techno music you hear now, um, comes from people like Larry Levance and Frankie Knuckles and Jack Master Funk. And when I mention these names and I start getting that Jack Master Funk track, Love Can't Turn Around, everybody's like, yes, we know this. But you start mentioning to them and like, they're completely lost but when you play it to them. They're like, wow, is this Jack Master Funk? Well, actually, he was known as Jack Master Farley. Um, well, Jack Master, was, everybody wanted to be Jack Master this and Grand Master that. And there were so many people that wanted to be Jack Master. Um, you know, so it's a piece of EDM history, which everybody should know. Even people are into the latest EDM tracks should uh, should be. Should be researching. So we've talked mostly about music, but I think making friends growing up was a difficult thing um, because the music I was into was one of the things, the games I played. Now, when I went to college, people would come to my bedroom they would come to my my bedroom because I had the PlayStation 1, the PC. I had a really good CD collection. Um, you know, people would come to me and uh, they would ask me, you know, and people would help me out. They helped me set my computer up. They helped me. But people used to say, because they knew I could record cassettes and they knew I had spare cassettes lying around. So they would ask me, if I could lend, you know, if I had any spare cassettes lying around, because, and I always did, and, um, you know, um, I actually, there was me and a friend, we used to um, help people out with cassettes. Um, my friend, I knew a friend who could fix cassettes, and I used to be able to do all the recording and stuff. And so that was when we, you know, and it was strange because, um, if you stood on the landing, you would get a fantastic, you could just, from our personalities, you would, you would know everybody in, in the house, the first year of college, you know, because we would all be blaring out different genres of music. So if you just stood on the landing, um, I remember one member of staff, she, she actually did it. She stood in the middle of the three rooms we had a friend of mine who was into his dance music, so he'd be playing house music. Uh, you had another friend that was playing opera, you know, um, so you'd hear all the opera music. And then you would hear my room, which was all the heavy metal. <laughs> and then, you know, so it would be all different, you know, the three 
different music that you heard. Um, you know, you never heard cheesy pop on that floor. Cause we were all into different, you know, into decent music. And um, it just brought us all together. We had that fantastic. But we'd all, you know, I had a friend who was in a flat and he, I used to go visit him and um, because I had a Game Boy and he'd always want to borrow my Game Boy at night. So I used to, um, I used to loan him the Game Boy at night, every night I'd loan, going down and then he'd give me back and then it'd be like, oh, can I have the game? So it'd be like, we'd be sharing the Game Boy or, you know, and, um, another friend of mine, he had a GameCube. So we'd go and we'd play on his GameCube and his, his PlayStation. And we had another friend at, um, I think they put a PlayStation in the lounge for a little while. Um, you know, but they had a, they had a PlayStation in the ICT suite, uh, because at dinner breaks, we'd all crowd around the PlayStation 2 and play Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, or Worms, uh, they had Worms, and they had Sonic, um, and, Another friend of mine, he we used to, used to be TV Arc, so we'd go on and we'd watch TV Arc together. We'd watch all the old adverts. After lunch, we'd go and we'd watch. And we'd spent lunch, many a lunch break in the ICT suite. So it was a famous place to go. And uh, I used to get rollocked being late for lessons because we'd be you know, watching all this cool stuff. So that's, you know, that's all that out the way. And then um, I went from a special college to a mainstream college. Um, and I didn't make any friends in the first year. Because I did the first diploma and then went on to the national diploma. So I didn't make any friends in the first year. Even on the special table which I sat on. You know, the table in the canteen where I sat. So... I didn't make any friends because a lot of them used to just go off and do their thing. Um, but my friend, I had one friend in the class who, in the next year, he knew that I'd want to listen to his iPod or he knew that I'd have one million questions to ask him about something. So he would say... I'll meet you at dinner break. And there was one time he knew that I was real stressed with something. This was in the second year. He knew I was real stressed with something. So he... Uh, you know. And uh, he used to get the taxi with me. Back to the station. We'd get on the train. Together. Um, but we. You know we talked a lot. And. Uh, so. You know he was a bass player. And I don't know what he's doing now. 
But, um, so we've gone a fair few bits. I kind of wanted to talk about this because I thought, well, do you know, might as well put this in the podcast. And... So a lot of people have asked about my mental health and um, a lot of people have asked how, you know, I've spoke about my mental health on previous podcasts and stuff and, well, my mental health is pretty good. Just for anybody who's asking. And... Um, yeah, my mental health is pretty good. Um, and the reason it's good is because I don't know, just everything everything's going well. I'm not you know, nothing unhealthy is kind of happening in my life uh what i mean by that is you know there isn't anything that i shouldn't be thinking about or shouldn't be doing and i just want to give you top five things that you can do to keep your mental health well and this goes for anybody this is not just for people that have got mental illnesses or bad mental health this goes for everybody so number five is to um, actually I'm going to give number six. So number six is to talk to people. I know it's a hard thing to do, um, but like talking to people about stuff is good. You know, you could go to somebody who you trust. You know, there are many places nowadays you can go. There's churches, there's community centres. You know, and um, if you have a nosy neighbour over the wall, you know, um, talk to people on the bus, you know. I know people on the bus may not want to engage with you, but... Um, 10 times out of 20, you know, somebody will sit down by you and you never know, they may be having a rough day. Um, they may just be, you know, you might just be sat in the pub um, and someone will walk up to you and sit down and fire up a conversation. Um, I've actually got one story that I'll tell very quick. Um, I was in McDonald's one time and someone will come up to me and she saw my cane and and she burst into tears. <laughs> that's just not a pretty good story. But, you know, um, with time, you know, you'll meet somebody who, who's, you never know, they might be lonely too. Um, or whatever. And so you might be able to engage with them. But even if you don't want to engage with people, make sure you do engage with people. You never know. You might make them that you, you know, there's a guy on the bus that helps me out and he always seems a bit grouchy, but Every time I talk to him, you know, he's um, he seems about 12 or 15 times better. So yeah, that's number six. 
Number five is to not stay in the house too much. I mean, now I'm having a lazy day. I'm having a lazy moment. I've had, I've been out today, but, you know, I think once you've been out or whatever, you know, just walk around the block or something, you've had a bit of fresh air in your lungs, you know. Um, or if it's bad weather, you don't necessarily have to leave the house. But, you know, it's, it's um, if it's a nice day, at least, you know, make sure you leave the house to do something. Um... Make sure you get fresh air and stuff in your lungs. You never know, you might go walk around the block and you might bump into somebody. Again, this is another thing that might happen. <laughs> but, you know, do, you know, make sure you get out of the house, do plenty of activities. That's number four. Get engaged in a lot of groups. Um, and make sure that you do something, you know, voluntary at least. Um, is a good thing too. Number three is be around people and don't rely too much on medication. If you are on medication, don't ever think that this is better than medication. Because it's not. It's just, if you're not on medication already and you're feeling rubbish, you know. It's like, you know, you've got a cold and you really don't want to face people. The worst thing you do is not face people. Um, and that's the way I look at it. Um, number two is make sure that you get plenty of exercise a day. Now, it goes with everything, really. You know, it's... But if you get up and you do plenty of exercise, you go swimming, go for a jog or something... If you've got a lot of things on your mind, I find this when I go swimming and my mind is full, I'll tend to, I like to go swimming because I'll try and do as many lengths as I can. If, I, if my mind is full and I don't feel energetic, I'll just go, I don't zoom up and down the pool, but I'll be, I'll be swimming up and down the pool. And as I'm swimming, okay, I'll be thinking, but I try and boost it up a bit, a pace because I think if I go a bit quicker, if I put a bit of effort into it, then I'm not thinking about the things that are on my mind, and, you know, and then, if I've got the nice things that are on my mind, so if I'm thinking about, like, going to the pub later or something like that, I'll think about that, but if it's something sad or angry, I tend to, um, there was one day I went swimming, and I was pretty angry about something, and I went swimming, and, and, uh, boy, I didn't know, I was, <laughs> I got to that pool, and, I was, my heart was beating. I don't normally work as hard in the pool. There's nothing like I have to. It's like I get in the pool and I just cruise. But um, yeah. Um, and number one, and this is the number one thing that I suggest is there's a lot of things in number one, which is you know stay off. Yeah, don't do too much alcohol and just, you know, um, just really, if you're having a crap day, just think, oh, well, something's going to go, go good. And if you're going out, right, and this is appealing to somebody I know, and I'm not going to mention them their names on the podcast, if you're going out and you think, 
It's going to be a shit night, this. It's going to be rubbish, right? Think to yourself, oh, it's it's going to be rubbish, right? And think, okay, well, it's it's may, maybe rubbish, but, hmm, there'll be something in that night, and I'll just have a good time. You know, I might go out, I might not want to go out for a pint or something, but, hey, you know, I'll... I'll go out for a pint and uh, probably I'll just, something will happen out the blue. You never know, you'll get to a party. I remember when I uh, when I went to the stables. Um, <laughs> um, I went to the stables this one time. Oh, it's going to be rubbish this going to stables. But I actually went to the stables and I met a whole load of people that I never thought I'd ever meet there. Um, down there and I, I had a, re- a brilliant time. I had a couple of drinks and... Had a bit of a laugh, really. Um, told them tales about the old days and sang a few rude songs, which, you know, <laughs> in front of Mother and Anne. Uh, that was quite memorable. But, you know, um, but there's a person I know. I'm not going to mention any names. They go out and they oh, you know, it's just like, if you're not going to have a brilliant time, just don't let people know. It's just not going to be good. At least think, right, well, tonight I'm going to meet, I'll meet somebody. Maybe... You know, it's not someone I want to, you know, but I'll try and engage with them. <laughs> Do you know something? Actually, that person, I forced them to engage with me. Um, and they still keep adding, trying to add me as a friend. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm just going to say this now. Um, I keep them there. I use, I, I don't delete people. If they're the most annoying people and I don't want to add them. I keep them there. I keep them there. And I've kept this person. Um, they probably keep sending me, and it keeps, it's like in my recommended. <laughs> I don't really, I'm not going to say that I don't really want to add them. That sounds bad. Um, <laughs> but I just keep them there in suspense. <laughs> um, I wish, you know, that's one of the old things I miss about Facebook is that. They see that they're, it's like pending, but it doesn't do that now. It just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't see that they've added you or not or something. Maybe just in case you're a stalker or something. <laughs> you know? Oh, they haven't added me yet, you know. Um, oh, well, when are they going to add me? Probably never. <laughs> I don't know. Why are you not adding me? <laughs> but yeah, there's somebody, somebody that keeps coming from my recommended and I've... I just, I just don't add them. They keep coming up right at the top of my notifications as well, which is worst, you know. But um, the reason I don't delete them is just in case they see that it's pending. So <laughs> I like that idea. It's still pending, um, you know, just in case, you know, someone sees it. Why have you not added that person? Well, I didn't want to add them. There you go. Um... You know, at the end of the day, it's my Facebook. I'm not going to add people that I don't want to add. Plus, I don't know if my... I don't know. I, just don't, I don't want to see what's on their wall. <laughs> um, that's even worrying. Um, I don't know. It's just... I I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's strange because people add me. And I'm like... It's like... Uh, people add me. There's people. There's family people who, um, 
you know, or friends of my stepdad's, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, they're going to tell my stepdad what what's going on on Facebook. But <laughs> I don't think I don't think they seem to care much. Um, I mean, Facebook isn't as bad as it used to be. It's um, it's not terrible, but it's I don't know. It's like um, a lot of creepy pasta stuff and memes and yeah. Um, especially live streams, which we did every, we did, um, every day, and, uh, I realised that doing a podcast is better, because there's so much effort into a podcast, now, I've actually picked up the phones, pressed the record button, started speaking now, but there's effort that comes into a podcast, you know, there's effort that comes into this thing, I've got to think, you know, if I'm not scripting it, I've got to think about exactly what I'm going to talk to you guys about, and then, I've got to record it, and then I've got to add the thing and put a dis- title and a description and a tag and all that. If I want to put a tag and all the rest of it, uh, I listen to the episode, check, you know, um, check back. Sometimes I'll do deep recordings. If I, do- if I think, mm, I've said something that's a bit sort of inappropriate, I'll, I'll, I'll have recorded that clip, but no one ever gets to hear that clip because I'll have deleted it before it goes in the episode. So it doesn't even go in. Um, this will go in because this is like, I want to put this in. But sometimes, like the last episode I did, there was a couple of clips I thought, mm, should I delete them or not? No, I'll keep them in. But there was um, a clip I did for this podcast, which was about swearing. I feel sorry for one of my friends who's a YouTuber. Now, I'm not going to talk about the FTC and copper because I've already talked about it in the beginning of this episode. And I'm sick of hearing about FTC and copper um, because, you know, and I was waiting for one of my friends, uh, well, not my friends, one of the my favourite YouTubers to do it. Two of my favourite YouTubers. One of them is PewDiePie and one of them was Roberto Blake. And they've both now put out videos explaining about copper and the FTC what I will say on it is this, right? The something about people saying, "Oh, YouTube's going to go away." It's not. It's not. YouTube is such a big platform that it will never go away. Um, it's one of Google's services. Millions and millions of pounds have been invested within YouTube. Um, it's like Facebook. I know people want Facebook to go, but in actual fact, Facebook won't go because, um, you know, Facebook has been bought out by much bigger companies. You know, and and as these things grow, they won't they will not go. It's it's like you can't shut down something that's big. You can shut down small things. You know, you can shut down the small things because it's easier to do. You can shut down a website because it's not as big as, you know. Whereas YouTube has become a whole search engine. And you think about everything that's on YouTube. It's not just one website. It's it's a huge thing. There's millions and millions of people use YouTube. There is millions of people that are getting their money through YouTube or they're getting their customers through YouTube. So YouTube is such a big platform. So many people use YouTube. It's not just kids that use YouTube. It's elderly people that use YouTube. Middle-aged people use YouTube. 
you know, and YouTube is a bit like radio and television, you know, we had radio, we had television, and now we have the internet, that's the way I look at it, you know, um, and so the people that go on the internet, you got to think what's in their search terms, now kids, you can't really market for because of the, you know, all the cookies and stuff, but I'd see the government is not responsible for our kids. I'm going to say that now. The government is not responsible for your kids. Um, The internet is not responsible for your kids. Now, this hit the music industry. And... Have you not heard about the... um, Oh, there was a... There was a... There was a union, right? Not the Mother's Union, but it was like that. And they all got together, and they all started this thing called demetalling. When you look at it now, it's a complete joke. <laughs> it's laughable. Demetalling. What the hell's that? Basically, what it was, um, and it worked. It worked for a lot of parents, you know. What they did was, they, they basically, they weaned the kids off heavy metal. But it's how do you wean somebody off a genre of music? You know? I know people that have... They don't listen to heavy metal anymore because of certain lyrics and stuff. But how do you wean a teenager off heavy metal? You know? Do you tell them... Do you frighten the living hell out of them? And I think now it's it's like YouTube. I think what's going to happen is people are going to be de-YouTubed. That's going to happen to our kids now. They they did it with metal. Now they're doing it with YouTube. Um, and, you know, um, I think that's what's going to happen. It's like... But it's not just affecting the kids. It's affecting the content creators um, as well. Um, it's affecting people who are making stuff for YouTube. Um, family-friendly YouTubers. There is no go-between. But again, it's it's like the parents should be responsible for the videos that people watch. Um, I've actually got a cousin who I've let him watch stuff on my YouTube account. But I've sat with him in the room and I've been holding the phone or I've taken charge of the tablet. So I've not, well, even when I left the room, I made sure that the video was loaded and I made sure that there wasn't any videos that were going to pop up. Because I've got stuff in my history that I wouldn't want anyone to watch or listen to. I've got a lot of audio in there that I wouldn't want people to listen to. Um, It's, you know, it's the same with my music collection. I've got... Spotify playlists that I wouldn't want, you know, um, my nephews or whatever to listen to, my cousins to listen to. So, yeah, the I think for kids really, um, the whole YouTube thing, um, the making the playlists isn't too bad, because if you make a playlist of videos, all you're doing is putting videos into a list. That's not too bad, 
Okay. Um, and you know, I guess this is why people, you know, like doing that. They put videos into a list. They'll watch them one after the other after the other, back to back. Now, why hasn't Spotify done this on their family premium things? Now, I have I don't have a family plan with Spotify, and I'm not going to have a family plan with Spotify, and I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. I'm actually going to pause this bit so it's uh, different. So get ready for a jump cut. Yeah, the reason I don't have the Spotify family is because uh, back in the day, um, I had a Napster, I had a shared Napster account with my sisters. Now, that wasn't too bad because at the time, um, we all saw each other's playlists. Um, And I always told Rachel and Anne, don't go into my playlist. I always told them because I said, unless there's a song I said that you can listen to, don't dip into my playlist because there were songs that I chose in my playlist which I didn't want Rachel and Anne or if Mummy found them I didn't want Mummy to like listen to say TG or um any sort of really weird thing that I was going to listen to on YouTube uh, on Napster it was it was on Napster now basically it was, it was all going through my bank account but they used my um, they had the password and everything, so they were administrators on the account. But I just paid for it. Uh, I thought this is wrong because the password changed, and that was because someone hacked it. But I couldn't choose the password because I wasn't the administrator on it. So I was a bit pissed off over that. So I decided that, and plus I have to spell the passwords. <laughs> um. So, anyways, um, I'm now on Spotify, and even though there's um. There's family plans and stuff. I don't go for them. And that's reason number one. Reason number two. If we did have a family plan on Spotify. I know there's stuff that my stepdad would look at. If we had like my stepdad on there. Let's just use him as a prime example. Right. And let's just say he stumbled across. Um, a song that he didn't think was suitable um, and my stepdad's like one of those people like, why are you listening to this? <laughs> um, he's still, he's still like that, even though to this day, even though I'm 31, I think there's probably stuff that my stepdad would be like, you shouldn't be listening to that. But unfortunately, I do listen to it. But let's take TG as one of my favourite bands. Um, let's take the first annual report, um, the, or the third annual report. Let's just say... One of the songs off that comes into the main Spotify thing for the family. <laughs> and my stepdad, it just happens to be... Because he has, like... My stepdad just has the thing open on on the Spotify where he just puts it on and they'll listen to it. But sometimes there'll be a, something that pops up out of the ordinary. Let's just say that happens. You know... And they'd come to me, Stephen, are you the one listening to that TG track? Yep, I listen to TG. 
I'm sorry, I do listen to it. And I listen to Death Grips. And I listen to um, Coil. And I listen to... Uh, what else do I listen to that I don't think my parents would approve of? Um, uh, Drake's not too bad, because the girls listen to Drake. Um, what's a really bad artist that I listen to that people don't really... Would, wouldn't really... I won't say any of the heavy metal bump, heavy metal ones, because they've managed to... You know, we've managed to have, you know, allow them into the household. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a song that I've got in my playlist that's, uh, would be very shocking. Um, I'm trying to think of a song that's really, um, Oh, what's that song that I've got? But anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, TG, yeah, Throbbing Gristle, um, the first annual report, you know. Songs like Blood on the Floor <laughs> and uh what's the other song? Um Slugbait, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think my parents would be very happy, you know. Um Especially all the lyrics that Genesis Briar Peerage comes out with and on the early some of the early stuff. You know. Um I liked the Ian Brady song that they did, but it's not on Spotify. Well it is, but it's not the version that I liked. Um I had it on the Napster one. It's called in fact if anyone wants to hear it, it's on it is on YouTube. It's called Very Friendly. It's one of my favourite T D songs. I like the riff. Yeah, it's called Very Friendly, and um, the strange thing is, it's like you're actually there, um, it's like you're experiencing it, because it's like, um, it's like spoken word stuff, but it's like, it's like listening to a very sadistic audio book. <laughs> you know, um, another thing I like, which which you can't get, it's on YouTube. Nothing here now but the recordings. William S. Burroughs, and I like his work too. Um, I love the stuff that William S. Burroughs did. Um, you can get hold of uh, William S. Burroughs as an audio book. You can get the the Naked Lunch, um, and I think you can get the Soft Machine too. But I liked his other stuff um, that he did um, because it, it relates to the equipment and the technology that we have today. So, you know, it's kind of anything that's outside the literacy world, but we can understand it. So, 
Um, but anyway, there is another reason why I wouldn't want spot the Spotify family feature is that what if my nephews and nieces could, you know, see my playlists and then they go into my playlists and then, oh, all of a sudden I've got a song there that I don't really want them to hear, you know, and, uh, it's, it's one of them things, um, I remember when I was a kid, my dad would introduce me to certain records, all the rock records, you know, the Pink Floyd and Elton John, Wishbone Ash and Super Tramp and Gentle Giant, I had all those records, but I used to like the album that I used to always ask to get put on was the Hocus Pocus record. Um, so I said I used to say, "Dad, put on the Hocus Pocus record because it had the um, yeah, Hocus Pocus by Focus, brilliant record." And um, I liked the name and. I liked the album cover. I liked the sleeve. Um, it was one of those things that I just liked. I've seen that album somewhere. Um, Hocus Pocus by Focus. And um, I really liked that record. It was one of those albums I could sit and listen. And focus on the instruments that were that were on the album. Um, I liked Hocus Pocus because... It had all the bits I loved, you know, all the bits I wanted to hear. It had that little theatrical bit in the middle. Um, and then it had that strange guitar solo, but it was really good for a rock record. And I didn't hear it for years after that. <laughs> um... But, you know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? You know. And I used to like Led Zeppelin. Um, by the way, I'd heard Led Zeppelin at the time that I'd heard that Focus record, Hocus Pocus. Because another thing that I want to say is, at school, they would play you classical music or music that I didn't really, I wasn't into. I wasn't into the horrible pop records. I was into them, and I, I just wasn't into them. Um, you know, the music I liked was the music my dad, my, my dad liked. So, um, later on, and then... Um, a year later, when my stepdad moved in, he had this tape on in the car, this uh, band called Yellow, and I wasn't really into them, but then I was. And strangely, it's like, um, and I had discovered De Prodigy's Fat of the Land as well at the time, um, and I got into dance music. I thought, this is brilliant. You know, it's like uh, amazing, but I liked Yellow's stuff because it was all percussive. Um... They're a synth-pop band, but they would use sort of live instruments on some of their things. 
So I quite liked hearing some of that stuff, I know, like drums and they would have cars over it and and stuff. Um So yeah, one of my favourite tracks is The Race that they did. Still a good track to this day. I enjoy it more now as a grown-up than I did when I was a, you know, a kid. And I wasn't really into, you know, I wasn't really into their music as such. So, you know, through school, I liked dance music. But I wanted to know what this, this heavy music was. I then started getting into rock music. Hendrix, Cream... Uh, Floyd I'll tell you a funny story we went uh, we'd go to Camelot every year Um, and it was my birthday and you could ask for any any present you wanted I think it was under a certain amount of money and so some people would ask for a cassette recorder Meccano, Star Wars figures, or, um, you know, whatever it was, if it was in Argos and it was between 10 or 15 pounds or something, it was like a certain amount of money, you were allowed to have the gift, and, um, I chose a talking clock this year, um, that was like the last year we were going to Camelot. Um, and it was my birthday the last year we went, so it was great that last day. Very emotional, but brilliant. And I'm thinking nothing of it. I'm sat in the canteen. We've had our evening meal, and they do the presentation, and they bring out the presents. And... um I open it up and I'm excited about it, you know, talking clock, wow, you know, strangely excited about that as a kid, but something else fell out the wrapping paper, Pink Floyd CD, I was like, wow, you know, I was getting a Pink Floyd CD, um, and um, I was on the bus home and apparently one of my teachers suggested it, <laughs> told the taxi drivers to sneakily get it. So I had this um this Pink Floyd album. Um which was good really, you know. I enjoyed listening to it. Um it didn't have money on it, but it had it was, you know, it was the very, very last album they did. I still got that album and it's really good. Um So I then discovered music. the heavy kind of music and uh, it was when I got into high school and I heard all the rock anthems Sabbath Paranoid um, Hawkwind Silver Machine um, Status Quo it was on this rock anthem CD Wishbone Ash Deep Purple 
But it got this track was by Mozart, Ace of Spades. I had nothing like it. I thought this is a this is what rock music should sound like, you know. Um. So I really enjoyed the rock anthem CD. I liked. There was one track by Girls School and another track by Motorhead. And the last track on the CD was Easy Living by Uriah Heep. I'm going to listen to some Hawkwind now, if that's all right with everybody. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm getting dressed, but you can't see that. Right, this... Um, I just thought I would finish with a little copper update. Um, FTC update, actually. I emailed the FTC last night before I went to bed. Because I had to do it. Now, their website is really tricky. You cannot... It's like... It's so tricky. So I emailed them... Um, and I don't know if they're going to get back to me or not, but I've sent them an email, um, stating my thoughts, stating everything. And I want to leave all that here on this podcast. And I think you guys should go and visit the FTC's website, email them if you can't comment on them. Um, let them know as a viewer, not just as a content creator and all content creators are pushing for not just content creators but viewers to um sign their petition leave their comments blah 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 and i want to say that petitions don't really do much uh people actually going to conferences they're taking to twitter i want to say i do stuff on youtube i know people that do stuff on youtube it's not monetized the stuff that i do but it doesn't matter whether it's monetized or not. Um, but apparently the FTC are going to start hitting all platforms. Now, you have to understand that the internet is such a big thing. It really is. Oh, I've just hurt one of my nostrils. Um, yeah, the internet is such a big thing. And um, I remember there was a law to protect kids on the internet, but it, it wasn't huge. It wasn't huge. And it still isn't. Um, I mean, f- for heaven's sake, you know, parents out there, Watch your kids on the internet. It's it's simple. You know? Um, There is no such thing as a virtual nanny out there. There's no such thing as that. You know, um, I know my nephews use YouTube Kids. And... Hey, if you're a helicopter parent, you should be doing that sort of thing too. Um, There are a lot of those out there, you know. Um, I'm sure you wouldn't like your kid to sort of wander around outside, so wandering around the internet is something else. My mother does not like me on certain sites on the internet. I am on those sites still. 
but uh, careful what I post these days. Um, but you know the FTC, you know, to YouTube, to what we watch, to what we listen to. Um, I told them about music. I told them about nursery rhymes. We've talked about this on the podcast before, you know. So I feel sorry for the band Merp, <laughs> which I really do because they. Uh, hopefully, Simon Cow come back this uh, whole thing. I mean, does that mean that this will affect? I know one of the things it's affecting is the gaming scene. You know, video game characters. Oh dear. We could sit here uh, all day and talk about the not just the dodgy Sonic videos out there, but there are dodgy Sonic games out there as well. Um, I'm not talking about the creepy pasta one. There are others. <laughs> There are many others. And in fact, if you've got a... Um... Oh, my nose today. Freaking hell. Sorry, parents. Yeah. Um, there are... I mean, there are just... Uh... If for those who've got an EverDrive cartridge... Um, there is a couple of dodgy Sonic games which you can actually play on your um, Sega Mega Drive if you've got the EverDrive cartridge. Um, so yeah, there there are some dodgy Sonic games out there. There's even been Sonic games that have been unlicensed and have been created and stuff like that. So uh, unfortunately. Um, Sonic and Mario, and they're featured, if you go on DeviantArt, there's a lot of stories about Sonic and Mario, which I just wouldn't want anybody to read, um, you know, and, and, and the, the, there's the rubbishy horror stories about Sonic and Mario having a fight, um, which kind of go down to the Nintendo and Sega conspiracies, which have been going on since the days of Sonic, like when it you know, was was commercially viable. And I never had any arguments with people over Sonic and Mario. I played both Sonic and Mario and I both and I liked uh, I liked both games. Um do I prefer Sonic over Mario? Well I loved Sonic over Mario. Um You see Sonic was faster um you know sonic was faster um the games were so easy to play um there were some difficult levels they got harder once they got to sonic 3 but um but that was a difficult game that's when they sort of sort of did put in and made it more difficult but yeah, I liked the Sonic franchise. Um, it was colourful. It was everything. Um, but I don't know. 
I mean, I hope they just don't market stuff like Mortal, Mortal Kombat to kids. Oh, dear. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Nintendo went down that route. The, uh, the, the children's route. The kiddies route. You know, games for kids. Um, there's actually a console wars of the past, which briefly touches on it. Um, and a lot of Nintendo fans went absolutely crazy. Because, um, there were a lot of games out there that weren't made for kids. Like Chiller! Um... But yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a game that came out for the Amiga that wasn't for kids. Moonstone. There you go. Duke Nukem. Oh dear, is Duke Nukem for kids now? Oh man. Um, how about the original Wolfenstein? Yeah. The one with all the uh, proper, like, symbols in it. The real, The one with the real Nazi symbols in which they had to edit in uh, the later Wolfenstein model, Wolfenstein models. But yeah, uh, Wolfenstein, you are legend. Um, I'm trying to think of the games that aren't really for kids. That um, Grand Theft Auto, definitely not for kids. Um, I mean. They did do a censored version of uh, Grand Theft Auto. They did do a censored version. Um, it was not as good. Um, I think it was the Chinatown Wars. They did a censored version of that. Um, I like Chinatown Wars because it was, it was exclusive to the PSP. And um, you had to have... The PSP in order to play Chinatown Wars, but yeah, good game, and uh, I prefer it on the PSP. Um, I think they were going to bring it out for the Vita. I allegedly heard, but um, yeah, um, so yeah, um, but I like the original Grand Theft Auto, anyways, because. Um, I remember playing it at a friend's house, the full version, and I was like, "How do you choose a car that you want?" And the guy said, uh, "And my friend said to me, well, you just walk around and grab any car you want, and hit enter. Brilliant! I thought this is a brilliant game. This I can walk around and jump in cars. If there was a car I liked, my mates would always get me the fast car, but." Yeah, you could choose any car you wanted, basically, and jump in it. And I liked that idea, you know, not having to scout around menus just to choose a car. And uh, I'll just tell you a, a, a Grand Theft Auto memory. Um, I was in a hospital once. Uh, my mum was having the twins. And um, in one of the waiting rooms, they had um, they had a coffee table, and it had um, it had sand inside it. It was um, 
It had sand inside it. And underneath they had magnets. And basically, there was a wire inside that picked up all the objects. And you could move all the... Um, all the objects around the sand. So I thought, oh, this is brilliant. It's like um, Grand Theft Auto. So I had my own version of um, Grand Theft Auto on this little table and I was playing it for ages, just zooming all the shapes around, going, oh, I got this car. And then... Um, and I upset this other kid because I stole their shape <laughs> with this magnet. I was like, oh, sorry, it's Grand Theft Auto. So um, then my sister cottoned on to what I was doing and she goes, and she started, we played like this game for ages, pretending to play Grand Theft Auto, without the swearing, of course. Um, and it was good. Um, it was like a board game of Grand Theft Auto. Um, you know, because you could see through the table and it really did look like Grand Theft Auto. Stealing all the cars and driving them around. In the sand, like there was, there was sand inside the table, and then there was these magnets, and you basically moved them underneath with this thing. But anyway, that's something I remember from my childhood. Um, but yeah, there's just I don't know. See, the thing with with um, you see, PlayStation went into that market for a while as well. The kiddie game market um you know and they started bringing out certain games for kids so i'm trying to think of the games that they brought out for kids um they brought a bob the builder one out uh that was for the playstation 2 that was really good um they then brought a game out where you could do like makeup and all that stuff for girls. Um, it was a print. They made they had a princess game. That was it. There was a princess game. There was um, uh, there was a PlayStation game that they made for babies, um, where you just kind of walked around and did shapes and stuff. Um, You know, there was the Teletubbies game, which was the worst game on the platform. There was, <laughs> oh dear, this. I mean, there was the Rugrats game. There was, there was um, lots of games were there that they marketed. See, they they had that franchise. They would market for kids certain games, but they had like. PlayStation made games for babies. They had this game where you... Um, I never had it, but apparently you could go around and get shapes and stuff. You know? Um, now, of course, I was a kid who got to play the decent games. I went round to my, my dad's friend's house and he had a proper sound card and he had... You know, we'd be playing stuff like Doom, because I liked the gun sounds on it, and 
quake he'd set the speakers up for me and he'd sit me down and or he'd plug the headphones in he had like really good headphones and um he had this like mouse that was like a joystick um for the pc it was like a big it had like a big ball on it and um on the top it was like um an arcade trackball um it was really good great for playing games with um because you could just you know but they st- again like the PC market they made games for babies so they could click on anything well you don't need to do that these days you can just get a raspberry pi put it in a v smile an old v smile console and just put the stuff you want your kids to look at on it and there you go you've got a toy slash not toy computer <laughs> um you've just sort of created a walled garden you know and you could put videos on it that they want to watch and stuff um i mean see vtech sort of went that route with uh, some of their products you know they made a toy tablet but i don't know um I think they start need to bring in the video now back. Um, that was a good system. It was a great system for kids, the video now. You know, because kids, they only made cartoons. You could only get cartoons for it. Um, you know, but this whole thing of what's made for kids um, baffles me. You know, I mean, kids' music, gosh. When they get to eight and they start hearing uh, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I heard Led Zeppelin before I was eight, just to, just to clarify. I was seven years old when I was fully educated in music. I tell you, I was... Uh, I was listening to uh, Led Zeppelin at seven years of age. I think I was seven. I've got to think. No, I was I was eight because. Uh, yeah, I was a. I was an eight-year-old listening to. Led Zeppelin. I'd say about seven. Yeah, when I was seven. Hang on, I think. Hang on, I think I've got to... Yeah, when I was seven. Strange age to be listening to Led Zeppelin. But I just remember hearing this band thinking, oh, well, I won't like them. And then I heard Stairway to Heaven. Um... Because my dad played them a lot. Um, and I'm hearing Stairway. Um, and I thought, this is amazing. You know, I didn't like it at first, but then I heard it and I thought, wow, this is incredible. The same band that were doing all these heavy songs were making this 
it was like it started off with an acoustic guitar and these like pipes but it wasn't recorders but as a kid I thought they were like you know um, because I'd been introduced to um, if no one's heard the river dance um, and I thought oh lots of tin flutes like Michael Flatley had you know um, so I thought oh yeah it's um, it's basically the river dance with tin flight tin flutes I quite like that sound so I thought you know, and I liked the acoustic guitar sound, and it came in, and the drums were really good. I thought I like this sound, and then I heard another song that they did that I really, really liked, and so I got a a taste for Led Zeppelin, which we'd we'd. We'd listen to very loud, of course, and get told off. That's the um, that's the law when listening to Led Zeppelin, isn't it? Listen to it very loud on a speaker and then get told off. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I don't know if kids get a taste for certain music. You know? I mean, kids aren't going to be listening to... to rubbishy, rubbishy music all their life, are they? Um, unless their parents force them to listen to... I don't know. I mean, my parents were were never really into heavy metal, like I was. Or my, I know I knew a few friends that were into it, but what about? Um, I know Baby Shark can be suited. As a kid's song. That's going to be another thing, isn't it? The music scene. What music do we introduce our kids to? Oh, dear. Hope it doesn't go back to the demetalling. That really pissed us metalers off. Back in the day. And you know, that's another thing. It wasn't just like my my parents that introduced me to sort of the likes of Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. I had um had a taxi driver. Now bear in mind, when you're a kid, the person in the car, if they want to put their music on, that's fine. So, obviously, when I was at younger age, I'd hear sort of like. You know, my step, my taxi driver used to say, "Oh, if you like that, we'll put it on later in the afternoon." So I got introduced to like Bon Jovi at an early age, but you know that was kind of all right for kids. Really, it wasn't considered too heavy, but um, 
I was coming home this one day and we had Iron Maiden on. I thought, I like this music, you know, Iron Maiden. You know, and uh, so I got a taste for Iron Maiden as well. You know, Run to the Hills and Number of the Beast. Uh, Deep Purple, Smoke on the Water, Guns and Roses. I got a taste for all of that, you know, properly later on. You know, I just thought, oh, these are great songs. You know, as a kid, you don't really think about it much. Because um, you're sort of still into the sort of happy, clappy songs. But then, it's like you know, rock songs, you know. But, um, I, I always chased, you know, the music that sounded, you know, that sounded good, really. Um, oops. So I still at this point wasn't into any sort of fixed genre. But I did actually hear, um... In the late 90s, I heard The Prodigy's Fat of the Land. And I had to get that album. Um, and it was such a brilliant album. All the track names were fiery. Um, it was just... And even to this day, you, know, you look back to circa 98, you know, um, Fat of the Land was kind of one of the best albums they did. You know, you hear the music today and it still it still doesn't match up to you know anything like it at all. But all of the Prodigy's music's I mean it now has sounded like Fat of the Land really. Even their last album, Invaders Must Die, their sound changed a little bit, but not much. You know, it sounded a bit like Pendulum, really. Um, which is why I like Pendulum, but I think when you hear their early stuff, the Prodigy's early stuff, it doesn't sound like the, you know, Invaders Must Die album at all. I mean, Music for the Jilted Generation, that's another album. I heard that later on, I heard that after Fat of the Land, and I was told they made it before, but if you hear Fat of the Land first and Music for Jilted Generation second, it's like they made that after Fat of the Land because it's such a... For me, I thought Music for the Jilted Generation was a better album. Um... It was. I thought that it was just. I mean, some of the songs on that album were just. You could see where they were going with that. You could see that they were going to change their sound. It's like. To a point, but I think. Um, you know, not all of the Prodigy's stuff sounded like Fat of the Land. You know, their first album, their really first album sounds really raw and sort of 
um, you can tell with um, where they're going with it and stuff. Um, like everybody in the place, there's about three versions to that track. <laughs> there's one version I like where it's... Um, where Liam Hallett does this like little bit of a solo on the keyboard which doesn't get put in the in the remixes um but they were really good live to Prodigy I prefer them live because they did so much live you know oh <sighs> I don't know, Fatherland. You'd think there'd be like more people in the band when you heard that album. You thought it was like a big band type album. That's what impressed me about it. Oh. But yeah, um. YouTube is not just directed at kids. It's directed at everybody. I mean, YouTube has got better over the years. Um, but it's what you want to watch. Um, if you're like me, and you like a bit of variety, you know, a bit of gaming, a bit of music, a um, bit of weird stuff, You know, like the, um, this is Baby Laugh-A-Lot. <laughs> you can really hear Baby Laugh-A-Lot giggle. Just push the button. Um, yeah, so I like my creepy, my creepy videos. Hello folks, I just want to finish this podcast on a real good high and say that the FTC and all the copper violations you may have heard that this beginning of the episode may have sounded a bit like a rant but I just want to end the episode with, with a high um, I was watching one of Roberto Blake's videos today and he's been talking about the FTC and copper and what we, what we must all do and uh, things we must do is not leaning on advertised revenue. Now, my YouTube account's not monetized, but also, um, I don't think you know. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have a monetized YouTube account anyway. Um, I wouldn't have anything monetized on the internet. Um, but. You know, I have my own thoughts on that, of course. Um, I was going to have a Facebook monetized um, page for this year. But, um, was it? Yeah, earlier on this year, 
But unfortunately, um, things have got, you know, to the point where, you know, I can make, whoops, um, I can get, you know, engage an audience without having to click uh, monetization. Um, um, and yeah, and obviously, You know, it's something that, you know, you can do is is basically um, make sure that you push out to the to the right audience. It's always a very important step to take if you are a content creator in any platform. As you probably know, I'm monetized on these uh on the uh, on the anchor platform but i still make the content 